Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came as a man. And when he came as a man, he had to be filled with God's power. So he was baptized in water to give a representation to you and me. This is the thing you need to do. Then the Holy Spirit came upon him. That's where he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That word means controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then he was led by the Spirit. And now we see him ministering by the Spirit. That's exactly what you and I are doing. We need to be filled. We need to be led. And we need to minister by the power of the Spirit. To say that Jesus' ministry was controversial would be an understatement. After all, they killed him because of who he claimed to be. More than that, he claimed that his followers would do greater things than he did. Outrageous! Pastor Mark will be teaching about the thinking of three groups of people that observed Jesus' deliverance of a man thought to be unable to speak. He will be sharing about what they thought and how that affected their relationship with Christ and how they relate to us today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message, No Fence Sitting, Make a Decision. Turn to Luke chapter 11 is where we are in the Bible. Luke chapter 11. In our world, there's always people that, well, they give your opinion of something, what they think. We're going to see this morning something very unusual. Jesus does a miracle, and then we see three responses to this miracle. Two of them are crazy. They're just absolutely crazy. But it's normal. So in our world... As you know, it's a different world. And the title of this morning's teaching is No Fence Sitting. Make a decision. Well, let me give you an opening that applies to what we just watched and walked through this week. What was the cause of the killings and disaster we saw in San Bernardino this week? Was it caused by the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? Well, Pastor Mark, neither one. It's, just, it's not religious. It's not spiritual. It's just what happens in our world. Wrong. Here's a picture of something that Jesus is going to teach us today. This guy is doing what? He's sitting on a fence. By the way, sitting on a fence is not comfortable for anybody. <laughs> Ladies, don't laugh. It's no more comfortable for you. What does it mean to sit on a fence. I looked that up. Here's what I found. Sitting on a fence, hesitant to make a decision, a state of indecision, 
refusing to take a stand with respect of two opposing options. Well, Jesus is going to teach us something very important. This morning, this is my fence. And Jesus is going to say this. In the kingdom of God, there is no fence. There is no place for indecision. And you're going to watch him clarify very simply for us. In words that will be clear to you, pretty right on in our face teaching. This is not my teaching. This is Jesus. So what Jesus is going to say today is, with Christianity and your spiritual life, there's no such thing as, well, I'm just indecided. I'm perfectly fine. No, that isn't going to be true at all. And eventually you're going to see that Jesus is going to say, you have to get off the fence and you have to make a decision in this situation, in this situation, in this situation. So we begin this morning, verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke and the crowd, here's the first reaction, was amazed. Now you would think, here's a man that's possessed by a demon and the demon keeps him from speaking. Jesus casts the demon out of him. He now is instantly speaking supernatural. You would think there would be no other reaction in the crowd. I mean, how could there be? Wow, this is fantastic. Everybody's amazed. Hey, I, I, I knew this guy and for five years. He couldn't speak. And he's, blah, 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 he's talking out. That's unbelievable. And that was Jesus. But that's only one of three reactions. Look at verse 15, the second. But some of them who are watching, Jews, said, by Beelzebub, that's just another name for Satan, by Satan, the prince of demons, Jesus is driving out demons. So this group of people say, they claim that Jesus was empowered by Satan and not by the Holy Spirit. And then here's the third reaction. Others tested him by asking him for a sign from heaven. They were unsure. These people said, well, I'm not sure if you're casting it out by God or by a demon, but you need to show us proof that the power of God is here. Give us a sign. Show us that you're really from God. Three reactions. Now, how was Jesus going to respond to this? Look what he does in verse 17. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Remember, when Jesus came to this earth, he came as a man. He was fully man, and he was fully God. But he left his God traits aside. He lived in this world as a human like you and me, but filled with the power of God. But here we see he had one of those. And from time to time, he would grab one of those godly traits. This is one. He knew what they were thinking. Turn to your neighbor now. Go ahead and look at him. Come on, look at me. They're not that bad. Go ahead, just look at him. Now, would you please stand and tell me what they're thinking? You have no idea. Unless you've argued before you came in, and then you know... And we'll have an altar call for you later. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking about lunch already. 
Pastor Mark, are you God? No, I'm not God. I'm just a human. I know. But see, Jesus looked at these people. He knew what they were thinking. By the way, he does know what you're thinking about. And some of you said, no, I'm, I'm not making a decision. I like riding the fence. Spiritually, there is no riding the fence. So you need to listen to Jesus. So he, he knows what they're thinking. And how in the world he's going to answer these three different groups of people? The amazed people, the people that said he's filled with the devil, and the other one said, well, we're really not sure. We haven't seen anything really to prove that you're God. Kind of give us a sign, would you? Finish these statements with me. United we stand, but divided we fall. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Well, you say, did Thomas Jefferson write that, or was it Edison? No, it was Jesus. Is that amazing? Look at verse 17. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided against itself, a home, will fail. I love the New Living Translation. Listen. Any kingdom divided by a civil war is doomed. Hello, Syria. You see, the word of God is so true. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Now, this truth that you're going to see that I want you to write down started in heaven. Here's the truth. God loves to unite. He loves unison. He loves unity. But Satan loves to divide. When you see division, Satan. When you see unity, God. Satan divided heaven. And he brought that division to this earth. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, he made the foundation of the world the family. One man, one woman, raising children to all know God. No matter what our world has done with that, disaster, that has never changed. One man, one woman, children who learn about God from who? Their parents. Now, what has Satan done? A family divided against itself will fall. How are we doing with marriage in our world today? Has Satan had an effect? It's huge. Well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because of one thing. Disunity. It happened, as the New Living says, splintered by feuding, fighting. There's an interesting word from Amos. Look at this word from Amos. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? So what is Satan's goal? By the way, when you got married, you married your opposite. You didn't think so. You thought you were identical alike until about seven minutes after the marriage. (laughs) You know, God's up there laughing like crazy. Here's another one. Ah! He knows because, see, that's what takes the rough spots off us. Because we all have to learn to submit and give in to each other. And we learn that the person we married to, for death to us part, could it come sooner, God, please? 
No, you're going to have to learn to be a giver. You're going to have to learn to work through that thing. So when you see that, what does this verse mean? Can two walk together unless they agree? What's the answer to that? Of course not, no. So here's a wife. She's walking this way, trying to do life this way. Here's a husband over here, and he's walking this way, trying to do life this way. What's going to happen to that home? It's going to fall. It's going to fall. There's going to be a divorce. It isn't going to make it. It isn't going to happen. But see, that's Satan's goal. That's exactly what Jesus says. Remember what he said. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So sometimes when we look at this, we would like to say, Pastor Mark, is Satan really out to destroy marriage? Hello? Of course. That is the foundation. He's well aware if he can bring division into the home, sooner or later that home and marriage is simply going to fall apart. So let me ask you a couple questions this morning. In your marriage, those of you that are married, is there a oneness in your marriage? Is there a mutual commitment to submit to one another after you've submitted to God? Are you and your spouse walking together in unity and joy? Or is there division? Is there angry words? Is there hurt feelings? Is there unforgiveness? Number three, answer this truthfully to yourself. Are you and your spouse growing more together or growing more apart? I can't answer those questions except for my own marriage. I have to work on it just like everybody else. But see, Jesus has the power to come into your home and destroy disunity and bring unity. He can give your marriage a brand new start. It doesn't matter where you've been. And I want to encourage all of us that are married this afternoon or tomorrow, sit down with your spouse and pray. And just say, God, we want to walk together. By the way, marriage is a unity of A man that marries you, one of us has pastors that marries you, we don't put you together. Jesus makes you one. They no longer will be two, they'll be one. And that's why trying to walk our own life just tears us apart. So just ask God to help you to be the head of your life, be the head of your marriage, be the head of your home. Look at the vast part of verse 17. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Now watch what Jesus does with this. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Jesus is addressing these people. I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Satan. So Jesus is saying to these people, your logic is unlogical. It's flawed. Would Satan really drive himself out of people? Remember, Jesus drove this demon out of the man. And these people are saying, you're part of Satan's kingdom. And Jesus said, would Satan really drive this demon out of the man? Are you crazy? Remember that Satan's kingdom, the goal was to enslave people through deception, through lying, through possession. Certainly, Satan never came to free people. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Satan would never use his power to say to the demons, get out, I'm exercising you, get out of there, because I don't know. Satan's demons is what made the army of Satan powerful. If Satan was using his own power to drive people out of his own kingdom, 
That would mean that the kingdom of Satan would simply be in civil war. So what Jesus is saying is, if that was true, you wouldn't see Satan's kingdom. It would fall. Well, it hasn't fallen. Then Jesus says this in verse 19. Look, now if I drive out demons by Satan, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Watch me. There were Jewish religious people that claimed to drive out demons. We don't know whether it ever really happened or not. And what Jesus is saying to these people, if these Jewish leaders of yours, are they getting, like you claim to me, are, are these Jewish religious leaders casting out demons by Satan or God's power? Does this mean that they're allied with Satan like you claim I am? And Jesus asked that because he knew those Jewish people would never say, well, of course our Jewish religious leaders are filled with Satan. They would never agree with that. But watch what he says. So since your logic is flawed, let me tell you what the real truth is. Look at verse 20. But I drive out demons, here's what he's saying, by the finger of God. What Jesus is saying is this. Your exorcists, if you talk to them, they would say, well, of course not. We're not filled with Satan. Only God can cast out demons. Thus, this means I am casting out demons with God's power by his finger, not by Satan's power. Now, understand what Jesus is trying to say here. These people were confused. And so he's saying to them, okay, let's talk about the real world. This demon came out either because I'm filled with Satan or because I'm filled with God. So what do you think? Well, I don't think of anything. I just neutral. Oh, there's no neutral. How did the demon come out? Did the demon come out by the power of Satan? Did it come out by the power of God? Yes. That's what he's saying. Your crazy logic is flawed. And what he's saying is this. Only God, only God, period, only God has the power to cast out demons. Do you believe that this morning? Hopefully. Some of you say, well, I'm not really sure. I don't know this demon stuff. What are you talking about here? Well, let me show you the principle. Jesus was going to prove to them. Turn in your Bibles. Keep your finger right there. Same, same book, Luke. Turn back to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Same book. Watch what Jesus does. He's going to say to them, it can't be both. It has to be one or the other. There's no fence sitting here. Either I cast that demon out by the power of Satan. I was filled with Satan, or I cast that demon out with the power of God. Which is it? So we know how to answer this because we go back. Now look at Luke 4. Jesus, verse 1. Jesus, full of Satan. Your Bible says something different? What's he say? Full of what? Full of the Holy Spirit. And who's the Holy Spirit? God. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. You see, Jesus 
when he came to this earth, he came as a man. And when he came as a man, he had to be filled with God's power. So he was baptized in water to give a representation to you and me. This is the thing you need to do. Then the Holy Spirit came upon him. That's where he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That word means controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then he was led by the Spirit. And now we see him ministering by the Spirit. That's exactly what you and I are doing. We need to be filled. We need to be led. And we need to minister by the power of the Spirit. So what Jesus is proving is he is not filled with Satan. He's filled with God. And those people that said he was filled with Satan are 100% wrong. It can't be in the middle. You have to make a choice. Either he is filled with God or he's filled with Satan. Go down to verse 18. These same Jewish people in the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah knew that there was a prophecy about the coming Messiah, what he would do. Watch this. Now, when we get to the end of this, I want you to clear your throat because I'm looking for a big amen. So kind of just get yourself ready because we're going to get to an amen here. Now, look at verse 18. One day, Jesus was in a synagogue. He was a guest speaker and he opened the scroll and he began to read this Old Testament prophecy. The spirit of the Lord, look at verse 18, is on me. What spirit? The spirit of the Lord. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, which he just did by casting the demon out, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. In the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, they knew this passage, were fastened on him. And he began his sermon by saying to them, get ready now, today... The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. What was, why did I ask you to say amen? What was he saying? I am the Messiah. And I've come to set you free. Wow. So here's what you want to write. This is Jesus' answer. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Of course, not by Satan. Now, scoot back to verse 20, chapter 11, verse 20, just where we were. Now, watch what happens. He says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the new words kingdom of God has come upon you. God casting out demons on earth is proof that God's kingdom, a kingdom is where a king rules, was among them. Jesus was saying that, I am the representative of God's kingdom. You have just watched me, the kingdom of God, in action. I just cast out a person. They're free now. That kingdom of God is in action. And you've watched it happen right in front of you. Not the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of God. Jesus just didn't give his viewers any wiggle room on deciding who he was. Either they believed that he was God's son, or they didn't. As Pastor Mark taught today, we can't decide on our terms either. Claiming he was a good teacher isn't good enough. He didn't provide that option. The obvious choice to make is to agree with him that he was and is the son of God. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In his next message, Pastor Mark will continue to teach on this event recorded in the book of Luke, where Jesus is confronting two different groups of unbelievers. We will hear Jesus speak about the two kingdoms that exist, the fact that we're in one or the other. Though difficult to hear, these are necessary words for us so that we can find the true life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving